Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, <laughs> and scientifically proven greatest performance of your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson, and I surprised Patrick Grimmie on there, I think, with that choice. Uh, I was. It was surprising. I'm surprised. I had a bit. Now it's just gone. I don't even know what my bit was anymore. Yeah. It was like a mind, a mind wipe. It was a mind, a mind wiped. Two minutes before... We started, I was like, I think I'm just going to, like, hum Immigrant Song and do the ah and go with that. I think I was, I w- so I was going to do, like, uh, one of my classic coy bits where I pretend I'm in, like, Martin's house. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm in this cool house. I wonder what that's going to happen. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of paintings of, like, black spots. Just don't, <laughs> don't take an obvious knife. Don't, yeah, don't. Yeah. You got to. Go for the drawer. There's a lot of bags and drawers typically. This guy's house is stacked. He's got every Ikea item you could imagine. Yeah. He's got got something else. (laughs) Throw a damn Billy bookshelf at him or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Throw a a, a Jurgen splatter or whatever the hell they call like, you know, armoires at Ikea. Well, welcome to the welcome to the Academy, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. folks. And welcome. We're going into the deep, dark cold evil heart mm. of sweden this week with of course we're talking about 2011's the girl with the dragon tattoo david mm. fincher version of course oh, oh yeah the, D- obviously, the df obviously because we are not uh not doing a deep dive into the um the career of uh niels arden oplov <laughs> no. like, not yet not a real name <laughs> not, not convinced not. that's a real name arplov get out of here yeah. <laughs> uh no, we're talking about 2011's a girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh mm-hmm. girl with the dragon tattoo currently on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Um watch Yellowstone yeah. then Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Absolutely. It's time to catch up with Bass Reeves Lawman. <laughs> um what's Bass up to? What's he up to? I don't know. What's, what's that cool guy Bass up to? Apparently the Super Bowl. We're recording Super Bowl Sunday. Oh uh, yeah. So the Super Bowl is on Paramount Plus, so after nice. the Super Bowl, obviously you'd have to go back in time. Mm. This episode comes out on Tuesday after Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, but if, yeah. but if you have if you have the Infinite Machine, uh, which we'll yeah. talk about at some point. If you're a <laughs> Timmy Infinite or whatever the hell Mark's uh, name is, what if it was the Deja Vu Machine? You and Adam Ooh. Goldberg are hanging out at the Super Bowl, and you're and then you're like, I gotta go listen to the Academy Academy on Tuesday. I'm dying to hear about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> Better use this in my this like secret clandestine government uh, time Val, machine. Val Kilmer's like, what are you doing? This is what we're gonna use the deja vu machine for. We gotta Just... defeat Jim Caviezel with this bad boy, and listen to some podcasts in advance. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the only it's the only way. It turns out Jimmy Jim, Jim Caviezel. <laughs> He guesses to the pod. He guess, he guesses on the Joe Rogan show, and he gives up too many, too many details about his scheme. <laughs> yeah, I want to do a crime on a boat. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's wild, man. So Paramount Plus, it has an extravagant, really, really cool Blu-ray. It's one of the first Blu-rays I ever got. Actually. Really? Yeah, nice. I, I think I bought it with the TV and the Blu-ray player. Ooh, I love a, I love a, a new release. I love a Blu-ray that comes with a television. Oh, it didn't. No, it was all a big Costco purchase. Costco oh. had, had a Blu-ray section at that point, and I walked over and I got 
Girl the Dragon Tattoo, Hugo, and Raging Bull were my oh, first hell yeah. three. The big three. The big three. The only movies, really. Yeah, the only movies, yeah. Yeah. Desert Are you Island. A Hugo head? My, my Desert Island picks. <laughs> Raging Bull Freak. Yeah, dude. I actually two, Hugo's two, two movies about the um depraved and desperate men and uh the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's available everywhere. This is not a difficult find by any means, this movie. Now, mm-hmm. before, and, you know, I think we mentioned on the last Venture episode, when he was accepting his Golden Globe Award for Best Director for Social Network, he had flown in from Sweden wow. to go to these award shows, something I'm sure he loved every second time. oh yeah he definitely I didn't like... consider a gigantic monstrous waste of his time yeah he, he definitely <laughs> has respect for the golden globes i know he's <laughs> like i don't want to go to any of these i've got a massive 100 million dollar production of a deeply anticipated movie yeah I, I kinda, really... i'm flying i'm tired and i'm flying back and forth from freaking sweden in the cold on yeah. to go to these stupid ass award shows of glad hand people i don't respect <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel like i've talked about this like five million times on the podcast but have you ever read that article about the guy who like went through every member of like the hollywood foreign press like there's an art there's an article where they cover like every member of like of the voting body of the Golden Globes and like only like 50 percent of them actually have jobs still. I think it's yeah. very wild. It's a wild. It's, ex- it's a trip. It's so funny too this past year because they kind of came back for the first time in a couple of years after controversy this year. And what was so interesting about it is that like a lot. I I'm such a I feel sh- so dirty and shameful but I do read like the Oscar pundit. Oh, I do too. Articles. I do too. I don't I like love it. that. I, I, I hate it. I, I, it I hate it, but gross. I love it. I, but I do it's... read them. I, I want, I want to know their picks this week. Somehow, <laughs> somehow the mo- like, like the movies are changed. Like, like I would, you read like a power rankings on an NBA team. You're yeah. Like, oh yeah. They went up in the rankings cause they won three games this week. That's a discernible fact. Yeah. Like how is it? <laughs> how is, how is zone of interest doing better this week than it did last week? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Why did this movie go up the Feinberg forecast? What does Feinberg know that I don't know? How is it scoring invisible points somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or did he have lunch with one guy who didn't get hired on holdovers who hates the holdovers because of that? Mm, that's true. That's what most of this shit is. It's like most of these Academy voters, even they're like, oh, was this person nice to me one time or were they a dick on set? <sighs> that's I it. Lo- I will say those are the best. The best form of Oscar speculation bullcrap is just when the Hollywood Reporter interviews just, like yeah. three random old guys, and they're all just insane. They're I always. I didn't get it. <laughs> Tar too long. Zero was, out of ten. What was Tar's deal? I loved Rustin. I know Rustin really was. Where was Rustin? <laughs> Why was Rustin snubbed? Hashtag Rustin snubbed. I I once had water go up my nose, so I am not voting for Nyad for anything. Too but, scary. Water too scary. Too scary. <laughs> I don't like swimming. <laughs> reminds me like, of my... I just don't like movies about long-distance swimming. This is the only one, dude. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out and, of here. Yeah. 
so they're so gross. I don't get it. And yeah, dumb. David Fit David Fincher is he's above it. Yeah, he's above it all. But he had to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to do it. He's you know, he gets the game. he understands the game. He understands the game. Yeah, hey, he's I a madman. I did it. I think I mentioned this too, is like Christopher Nolan was caught on tape the other day saying he's so t- sick and tired of the shit going to all these things. <laughs> Even though he wins every one of them, like he's still like, this is so exhausting to like, oh, they, they shake all hate hands it. and hug everybody. It's like, I don't want to deal with any of you. I just want to go back to work. <laughs> like, let me make Tenet 2, please. I know. This, this is his time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, yeah. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, based on the smash international best-selling author Stieg Larsson's book Girl with the Dragon Tattoo but was also did you know um, the original title of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo book? No. What is it? Um, Simply put, Men Who Hate Women. Yeah. That tracks. That tracks. Yeah, that's yeah. That would work as the. Although that kind of sounds more like a Neil LaBoot play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> something that would be like a. You know, something that would. Except he would be like, and they are justified in doing so. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. This is normal behavior. It's the totally, end. Yeah, I'm a normal guy. I write these. <laughs> I've written a hundred plays about. Women who are mean to men and why that they, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, the world's meanest men. The world's wife was in the company of, uh, yeah, the world's meanest mm-hmm. men in the company of men. In the company evil. of people, Patrick, did you know evil mm. shall with evil be expelled? This English oh. language adaptation of the Swedish novel by Stig Larsson follows a disgraced journalist, Mikhail Blomquist, as he mm-hmm. investigates the disappearance of a weary patriarch's niece from 40 years ago. He is aided by the pierced, tattooed, punk computer hacker named Elizabeth Sand- Salander. As they work together in this investigation, Blomquist and Sal- Salander uncover immense corruption beyond anything they have ever imagined. Five stars, says Don on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, what was your history with this movie? Oh, man. Uh, I watched it when it came out in theaters. I remember loving it when it came out in theaters. Like, it was just a very... Because I think I was just very high on Fincher post-social network. I was like, I cannot wait to see. And then this seemed like the perfect material mm-hmm. for that sort of... ad, Like, this dark material. And it's interesting watching this movie, um, especially after watching so much of his oeuvre, in the beginning, that beginning sequence, it felt like a Mindhunter, like, cold open in a good way. I didn't mean, and it's interesting seeing, like, it feels like the, um, like, there's, like, it has the, that Zodiac, so a little bit of that Zodiac vibe in it a little bit. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, co- it's cool seeing that um, in a film that is decidedly much more mainstream, I guess, in, in, in tone. Yeah, it feels like, um. It's, a, it's an interesting one post-Social Network because it's a big blockbuster, big book based off of something real people are really anticipating. And he gets to kind of flex at a really high level and make a movie yeah. that's like maybe one of the more depraved $100 million movies yes. ever made. I think you're right. I think it is like just so because it is like I forgot. Like it is like a very um, it's it's rough. It's like it's rough. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very rough film. So I got a big confession here. I actually never saw this in the theater. Really? 
you know, I was excited for it. I think we all, when we saw that initial trailer, I played it at movie night in December. Um, and it's with the immigrant song and, um, the tagline is the feel bad movie of Christmas. <laughs> and I was it like, it is a Christmas it's movie. so, cause it came out on Christmas day. And I unfortunately have, um, even for, even for my absolute favorite filmmakers, the same thing happened this year with mm-hmm. um, Michael Mann's Ferrari, which I've still yet to see. Oh, Sam. Um, Christmas is tough. And it just kind of, it sucks because I think that some people, Christmas is like, let's go, movie time. Right. I got a lot of family to see. Yeah. <laughs> None of them want to go see Ferrari with me. Um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta force the fam to make see Ferrari. You gotta, I know. Maybe force, even like it's hash, a, it's, hashtag force the fam to see Ferrari. <laughs> force the fam to see Ferrari. Hey, maybe um, Adley can learn something about vehicles. It's a learning experience. Uh, Ferrari family force. <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> I love that hashtag Ferrari family force. Okay, we're uh, putting, the, putting that in the notes. So the Blu-ray I mentioned recently was a sight unseen mm-hmm. pickup. I was like, oh, this will be cool because I want to see it. It's David Fincher, and it'll mm-hmm. look really good on mm-hmm. my new setup. It's Ooh. a good Blu-ray, Blu-ray test drive kind of movie. Gotcha. Yeah, so it was new to me, but I've now seen it many times since. And the new Bev played it uh, 2 o'clock on a Friday, like two months ago. And I was so bummed because if it had been a um, nighttime show, I would have gone. Because I do want to see it in the theater, still. Um, but yeah, I think we 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 kind of alluded to this in a couple episodes. You said you had never read the book. Never read the book. Never read Stieg Larsson's uh, Magnum. He sold over a hundred million copies of it too, yes. which is crazy. So. This book um, kind of was. It used to be that every um, plane ride you went on, someone was reading Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. This was mm-hmm. the very next book that every single person on the plane was reading. Oh, for sure. It Well, it started like a Scandinavian murder mystery craze. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's no snowman without Girl Folks, with Dragon Tattoo. There's no snowman without the Girl with Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> Sensation. So Stieg Larsson was a... Um, and I never read it either because I'm a pretentious asshole who like <laughs> reads Jonathan Franzen books. <laughs> so. I feel you. I can't. I can't. I can't rock Brown. I can't rock the. I can't rock nah, the. Sorry, the, never read too it. many people reading it. No, 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 no. I was an, I was an English major. We made fun of that <laughs> uh, with our teachers. <laughs> like, I'll be with my copy of Thomas Pynchon's Mason and Dixon. Thank you very much. Exactamundo, Patrick. Exactly. <laughs> I could read the Girl Dragon Tattoo, or I could read Infinite Jest for the third time, <laughs> or, or get get my rumpled copy of Brady and Zooey. Yeah. Exactly. So sorry, folks. Yeah, never read it. Never gonna read it. No, no, no. Sorry, that's also never happening either. Um, because I don't really want to. It has nothing to do with being pretentious anymore. Now it's just a matter of I don't want to. There are many. Yeah, we we have so much time on this earth. We don't need to waste it reading books we don't want to read. I know. And hell, man, I if I am faced with the option of reading that or another book about a 
East Coast liberal arts school professor who's thinking about cheating on his wife. You know which one I'm picking. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the, you're picking the wife cheater. Yeah, I know. Come on. That's what the book is called. It's coming out this fall. Yeah. You're, you're, pick, you're, picking, well, you're picking Club Sandwich, baby. It's yeah, I know. It's called it's called Corduroy Jacket with it patches on the elbows. The book. <laughs> Has a picture of uh, Burt Reynolds' character from starting over on it. The least likely fucking dude. Like, uh, the only college professor more like less likely is... Obviously, it's Mark Wahlberg in The Gambler as an English professor, which is crazy, too, a little bit. But like, yeah, a little off. Burt Reynolds, Reynolds is the football coach. Come oh, on. yeah. No, he was well, he's the professor of like what? Scuba? Like what? Is he, I know. Professor of illicit relationships <laughs> with co-eds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we are getting into it here, folks. Uh, um, so Steve Larson, luck. one thing that is really interesting. So he was a um, journalist and activist for his entire life mm -hmm. uh, in Sweden. He was a far left wing kind of rabble rouser. Mm -hmm. He covered. So he was a proud socialist. And um, but interestingly enough. All of these novels were published posthumously because he dropped dead of a sudden heart attack in 2004, oh, wow. and the book started coming out in 2005. Now, what's really interesting to me is, and there are articles out here, and if you're interested, drop us an email at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com. There are conspiracy theories that he was perhaps, this wasn't the most natural of deaths. Ooh, which is a very interesting one. That's, that's a fun, the... interesting rabbit hole to go down on the internet, folks. Is yeah, a zodiac the, gas the, Yeah, the Swedish conspiracies on Stieg Larsson's passing. But regardless, sadly, he did not get to live to see his books become a global insane phenomenon. Like they, like we said, they were everywhere. If you were around and coherent in the first first 10 years of the 2000s someone yeah. you know was carrying these books around yeah just a uh just a big popular series for sure i think like my i remember like yeah a bunch of family members of mine were reading them yeah then we said it they sold over like a hundred million copies i think it's crazy yes and so quickly it, you know they were like, let's get going in Sweden. And they quickly pumped out by 2009, starting in 2009, going through and turning them into films. The trilogy mm -hmm. was dropped very quickly in Sweden. Yeah. Like uh, one year? Yes. No, Damn. actually, it was all like in the same year, all three of them. And, Crazy. Uh, they... Unlike a lot of international films, they broke the books were so damn popular they broke out in the U.S. too. These mm -hmm. movies, um, starring Numi Rapace and Mikhail Nikvist as the titular leads, mm -hmm. um, turning Numi Rapace into a like legitimate Hollywood star. Obviously, we covered Prometheus, uh, with yeah. a year I don't know a she, year ago or whatever. Whenever it's we a that bummer one. that like. Yeah, because I feel like she got like uh, Prometheus, and then she was in the uh, Sherlock Holmes sequel, and then she didn't get like another big shot at it. It kind of bums me out a little bit. I wish she had the, more. Uh, Brian De Palma late career gem passion. 
as well oh. with Rachel McAdams. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very cool. It's pretty trashy, pretty low rent. Uh, probably, but it's at the same time, I gladly watched it. It's the Paul, you know. Brian, you know. Um, so, all this was going on, and I was feeling very pretentious. And I'm like, I'm not reading that airport book. I don't care. Yeah. And then David Fincher got connected to it. I'm <laughs> sure the second this book came out, and the second they were like, they got the rights to it. This was a um, Scott Rudin literary pickup back when he picked up everything literary and threw stap and was getting away with throwing staplers at people. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he was the obvious number one choice, and they had just coming off working with each other on Social Network mm. as well. So it was like this is a Fincher's the only guy to make a serial killer movie. He should be the only guy to make a killer movie. Yeah, about the this... biggest the the big book of the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that like Salander is a very Venturian character. I think he, certainly, at least in my only knowledge of her is from the Fincher movie. But yes, it seems yes. that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Good. Yeah, you could make an argument that like Fincher's putting a little bit of it. And I feel like she def- he definitely does put like a stamp mm-hmm. on the character. Like there is like. Fincher's adding a little spice to that uh, that sandwich. Simultaneous that um, the antisocial outsider character, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg, whether it's the investigator, even Robert Graysmith to an extent, certainly the narrator in Fight Club, mm. John Doe and Seven. Oh yeah, the the brilliant outside, you know. He loves like that, they, like she, on the fringes. She, she fits the bill. The smartest person in the room who's going to tell mm-hmm. you what's up, but never fucking compromise and be kind of part of society. Society for better or worse. Yeah, and <laughs> like yeah, the the total like disregard for decorum. I think Fincher's a big like decorum disregarder. Yeah, and even Benjamin Button, to an extent, due to his condition, has to remain an outsider. Yeah, that to that too and you know or even like michael douglas in the game has to be stripped of his insider status to recognize the importance of life Mm, all sorts of all sorts of things are there but uh so you could see why it would appeal to him um and get into this so in my personal experience i second i heard david fincher had signed on I basically said to anyone who would listen, to much of their annoyance, I'm not watching the Swedish ones. I'm not reading the book. I'm waiting for my dude, Dave. Uncle Finch. (laughs) To provide me with the correct version of this story that I have ultimate faith that my my man is going to give me. (laughs) Despite the fact I then skipped it in the movie theater. I mean, I will say that that did you see the trailer in the movie theater? Yeah, I did, and it looked awesome. It is like, yeah, it is one of the best. That's a trailer I still remember, like the editing. It's of the, the yeah, it's one of the best trailers set to the you know the immigrant song, and just like, oh, this looks great. Yeah, there was like a bunch of silly lines in the trailer like every time daniel craig leans over i want you to f- help me find a killer of women i'm like, That's like no one would say that, that no way. and then he's like 
the last time I did something like this, I lost my life savings. <laughs> it's uh, it's like I oh. think like if they needed they needed someone just like a hair schlubbier. If you could have but gotten like yeah, I love I love love Daniel Craig. I no, love he him. Rules. I think he's great. I fucking slaps. Like, he slaps. He's incredible because I love and I love it. It's funny because like he's. I'm so glad he's like escaped the shackles of bond and he can just be like now his like title character is that insane like foghorn leghorn esque uh, <laughs> ryan john like miss miss mr clues i, I, I love it i mr. love it clues. Yeah. daniel danny clues danny <laughs> clues or whatever like jocks and rambo or yeah. whatever i think it has some and- sort of Regardless of how they turn out, I will watch every single one of those the day they turn up on Netflix. Yeah, because that rules. Like, I love that character. I know. It's like, regardless of how heavy-handed his, like, political allegories are in both of oh, them. Yeah, like, the get second, offline. The second, one, the second one in particular. Yeah, get off the internet, dude. But get offline. Get offline. Regardless, Daniel Craig solving a murder mystery as this, like, effete Foghorn Leghorn character Yes. Yeah, I'd watch it every day. Every it rules. Day. Yeah. It's so and he's so great in the Oh my god, I almost said Lucky Louie. Uh, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. Lucky. Logan yeah, Lucky. He's, he's, Logan he's, Lucky. He's, bru- he's brilliantly funny and uh, so good yeah. in that. Yeah, but like yeah, and and he's good in this too. I just wish that like I think it just like it's just a role that like he is not designed. He's too intimidating. His yeah. face, he's a tough. He's a pu- he's a pugilist. He has like a pugilist. Well, face. I think what, or, he, what he does have going for him he, I think he's by a wide margin the best pure actor to ever to play Bond, which will help him. Yeah, loosen, that is true. Loosen the shackles of Bond. That is true. Cause... That is true. He is, but definitely because, like, hey, I love, I love the other. Yeah, but he is like, yeah, he's like a, he's a serious. He's so good in Munich. He's, too. Like, he, yeah, he's a serious actor. He's a real happens, actor. He's a serious actor. Happens to play Bond. He's not. You know, mm-hmm. and I love you know. Don't get me wrong. I love Sean Connery, but like Sean Connery's just Sean Connery. Yeah. In, oh like, man. Regardless of what role he's playing, I will say, loved him. He's delightful in in uh, the name of the rose. I watched that for the mm. first time recently. Him is like a weird monk, oh, Sherlock well, Holmes. Mm. That's the thing, though. Sean Connery <laughs> is the greatest movie star. To yeah. Play Bond. <laughs> like he's like <laughs> that's true. Like, this guy rules, and I love hanging out with him. I don't give a shit if he's not varying his Scottish like tough guy. No, not at all. Bit, yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah, be be he playing an American gangster <laughs> in the Untouchables. Yeah. <laughs> Still, yeah, he's just Sean Connery in that costume. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Hide. Well, he has. You know what? It's like some people just can't escape their essence, and that's fine. No. Like, but oh, yeah, Giamatti what can't. Essence. What an essence. <laughs> oh, great Connery essence. Has. Anyway, oh, yeah. on that note, Daniel Craig plays disgraced journalist Mikhail Blomquist. Mm-hmm. He has brought on, a, he brought on, um, he wrote some articles about indus- wealthy industrialist, vis- evil <laughs> businessman, Hans Eric Wennerstrom. <laughs> and he received a libel suit that he lost. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's in the dumps when we first meet him but it should be noticed before we meet him we meet him coming out of the courthouse there are two things that happen get a very eerie sequence in which we notice which a man receives yet another gift Mm. this framed pressed flower on his birthday and he's received a lot of them that's eerie and then we go into 
perhaps a moment that will take us through the first hour of this movie with infinite patience, which is this incredible fucking credit sequence. Oh, <laughs> like set to a cover of Led Zeppelin's immigrant song in collaboration with the AAS Karen O on vocals with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross naturally on the ones and twos uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross pro- pro- provide the eerie and amazing, maybe a little less um, memorable, like in its true in its uh, specifics than the social network score, but effective and brilliant in its own right, all throughout here, Coll- continuing their collaboration with David Fincher. The um, credit sequence was put together by a man named Randy Sharp. Ooh. And it is, so apparently David Fincher basically gave a um, descriptor to this team of um, who created this opening credit sequence that just with words like oil, black tar, dragons, <laughs> vaginas, like, it was just all like one word, uh, one word notations about what he wanted to see out of this thing. And um, yeah, here it is. Very adult, super dark, leather, skin, blood, snow, breasts, vaginas, needles, piercings, motorcycles vengeance oh, and that's yeah. what they came up with and guess what they did it yeah so it's appa- adult. And, it's... and apparently there are allusions to the other two books in this credit sequence oh. i of course as previously mentioned am completely and not so blissfully ignorant about any of the rest of the story <laughs> yeah i mean i think i see some like i mean i know like the names of the other books so there's like things you can see that like kind of allude to it i guess um you know they made like books after he passed away too like yeah, they had and that's ghost what authors the, uh Fede alvarez girl in the spider's web i think is what it's called or yeah. with when claire foy played lisbeth in a utterly forgotten oh, new version man. from a few years ago of this story Wow. Completely forgotten. Guess who I didn't, didn't see that either? <laughs> <laughs> this guy. This guy. <laughs> but this one almost more than any of it. And he we've talked about David Fincher saying he's like setting a tone with these credit sequences. And I think this is his best one since seven in terms of mm-hmm. setting a pure and like just absolute knockout tone. Yeah. what's to it, come oh, and getting you pumped for what's to come like i so, can't yeah. wait this is going to be crazy this is going to be dark and scary the energy is through the roof with that song like I love, i'm ready to go I, yeah before i uh what i think i rewatched that credit sequence like four times on youtube before i watched the movie for the uh, pod for some reason mm-hmm. for some reason it is just like i think it's just one of the all-time great and it's like it feels like it's like a lost art. Like movies don't have like those like really fast, interesting credit sequences anymore. I feel like even like TV shows are starting to lose them a little bit because we had like a moment yeah. like, like, TV yeah, shows, like the... yeah, TV shows used to it used to be a huge deal on the HBO shows to oh put together God, yeah. that that tone. Yeah, the True Detective opening sequence. Ooh. Yeah, or even the Sopranos with him driving around. Like yeah. it just, um... yeah, it was like. Um... It sets the mood and you get the vibe for the show immediately. Yeah, I think that, like, even, like, I watched uh, Last American Hero again last night. 
And just him like driving around and like waving to his neighbors as the Jim Croce song is playing. Like, you're like, oh, I feel that. I feel like the tone of the vibe. Like, I know what I'm getting into, basically, yeah. is the feeling. And yeah, like, it's, it's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it you need a... of, it. It is part of making a movie. Is thinking sure. about how that the beat title and end credits play out. Yeah, that that set dress. It's like set dressing. It's like a. It helps. It's it's like the the appetizer before the meal. You need that like a, the taste of things to come. Yeah, the the funniest credit sequence i can think of that is like only a tech per only somebody who like watches a lot of movies would recognize is um i like the first time i saw christopher nolan's interstellar the credits just like pop up and start really rolling mm-hmm. and i was like oh he usually does like a big dramatic like hans zimmer scored like boo you know dark knight rises you know all this kind yeah, of things. inception right At, because the movie's two hours and 58 minutes long and he didn't want it to go over three hours Wow, and that's why he right. He's like, that's the area we can rush it to, like, not have it like get over three hours. And I was like, yeah, we can fast forward this credit yeah, sequence a little I, bit. Yeah, he's like, he's because if he had done his normal thing, it would have probably pushed it like a minute or two longer, and put it over like three hours in one minute, and he would have gotten a shit shit ton of flack for it. Ooh, that's the, yeah. so that's the yeah. So he's like really he pushes he goes to the line. Interesting. Yeah, and except for with Oppenheimer, I th- I think he felt he could get away with it. Yeah, which he, I mean, did. Hey, which he did. Honestly, Oppenheimer might be one of the last thing I'll say about Oppenheimer. It <laughs> it, it is it is probably one of the best things to happen to movies, <laughs> right? In the sense of like the fact that a movie like that made like you know almost a billion dollars, or maybe it's even past the billion dollar mark at this point. It probably has. Um, but like, it's, I just yeah, it's like a, a billion dollars, infinite critical acclaim, got adults back in the theaters, and it's going to win every single Academy Award it's nominated for. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So, and it's and it's opened the doors for a lot of like experimentation that wouldn't have uh, been uh per- perceivable uh, per- uh thought about like you know even like five years ago or t- or two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully it does. Yeah. So anyway, credits are over. Mikael Blomquist is at wit's end. He's mm-hmm. he, he's really introduced to though as a guy who just is catnip mm-hmm. to the ladies. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's love. He's supposed to be this schlubby guy, but he just can't help of like being charming to every single woman he meets in this movie. Yeah. Have you seen and the if he's not just charming, he definitely is also sleeping with them. Wow, oh, did you see the other people that were up for uh, this role? So Brad Pitt was definitely one of them, right? It was so here. I'm gonna give you a list. And this oh, is just... oh yeah, I see Clune Dog. Yeah, Johnny Depp, Viggo Mortensen, and Brad Pitt. <laughs> insane, insane. What? Although man... the only the only one who could not have done it is Johnny Depp. Out of that, yeah. Group. Oh yeah, for sure. It'd be so. I'd love to see the Clooney take. That would be because it's like I feel there's a part of me that's like he's too hunky, but I could, I could see Clooney. Like I feel like he has a little bit of a. I've seen him yeah. play like lower status before, so I think that I could I could see that working. Maybe Vigo would have been great. I think if Daniel Craig hadn't been available, Vigo Mortensen was the was the easy choice. I yeah, 
I would I say that he, too. I think he yeah. would have hit a home run. He's would have done it. I guess what happened here was that he Daniel Craig was the first choice, but due to his bond commitments, there was no. real concerns about him um finding time in his schedule. But then mm-hmm. MGM went bankrupt and they had to figure out when to like get MGM out of bankruptcy to start the next Bond movie. So he found time. Yeah. And they put him in there. Nice. And you think- what, Dan, what I like about Mikhail Blomquist is that he's both a mirror image and a cracked mirror of Bond. He mm. kind of does a lot of Bond like things, mm-hmm. but he's he said he's kind of like they every time he does he takes one step forward and being kind of a Bond type guy he does something dopey. Yeah, to like kind of like mess with that and like we were saying i think daniel craig is like he has a lot of fun playing with the fact that people know he's bond so he he will like intensely he will intentionally do things to like mess with people who who may have come just if they only knew him from bond it's a, like, it's a it's a it's an excellent subversion of expectations like i love the scene where he's uh you know, breaking into the house, and you think he's gonna get away. He like he was able to sneak out. He took the knife. He's yeah. bit away, and then right at the very end, he fucking falls on his little butt. Like it's a- yeah, he and like and there were even moments like where there is like a brief chase scene where he's running in this, mm-hmm. and Fincher had to keep telling him, "Don't run like an action star." Yeah. Like like you don't know what you're. You are a city journalist. Mm-hmm. who doesn't even know anything about like nature or camping or any survival skills yeah. whatsoever behave like that here's here's a crazy uh casting what if they had, had gotten philip seymour hoffman was he still yeah i think he, he was, was still around yeah he was still around yeah yeah although Kinda like I, the obvious choice would have been philip seymour hoffman as uh martin oh I mean, like sadly, Man, sadly, yeah, no, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Oh my god, uh, for, yeah. For, unfortunately, based yeah. on his kind of skill set that he's put out there in the past, I think like yeah, because that's that is like yeah. I think like that's the thing is I liked um yeah. Uh, so uh, for this pod, I also watched the uh, Neil's uh, mm-hmm. version of this film as well, Had and the one little extra homework. I did, yeah. I did watch like five hours of the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's a lot of lot of dragon tattoo. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but and they're both great movies. So it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't a bad thing. It was good. Uh, but uh, but uh, I really liked Michael Nickvist because I feel like he did a great job because he was never an action star. Yeah. Like he is so, his character feels <laughs> so much more like uh human. Like there's like a there's much more humanity, and then like. It does, yeah. There's no like the, 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 the he lacks the sheen that um, Craig has, I would say. But like Craig is still great. Like, and it's interesting. Like, I love what you said about the subverting expectations. So that because that makes it like watching it in that fr- mindset is so makes it so much more fascinating. Where you're like you're watching an actor actively like play against the expectations of the audience. I love that. Mm-hmm. I I think he. I mean, going even to the Knives Out stuff and Logan Lucky. I think he has a lot of fun. Yeah, I think he likes having. I think, and I think he hated Bond after a while. I think he really was not like an, well, or maybe not hated, he, but like he's a he's a character actor in his heart. Yeah. That's what he was before he played Bond. That's what he'll be after. 
Mm-hmm. He's a, he's like an actor's actor, and that's one of the things I like about him. Yeah. But it is very funny in this movie. He loses his life-saving. He's disgraced. Yeah, he still kind of strolls into the Millennium Magazine offices. Like he owns the joint. Yeah. His editor, his editor slash clandestine lover, Robin Wright Penn, doesn't seem to have... Oh, Robin Wright. Sorry. No, nay Penn. Nay um, Penn. Uh, doesn't... <laughs> she's like... How are you gonna get out of this jam? You'll probably figure it out. You're you're Mikhail. Yeah, you hear you're blob you're gonna blob fist out of it, like you always do. Let's let's go back to my place and have sex. And then he does <laughs> he does a lot of computer work in his skivvies in this yeah. movie, too. I don't know if, like a lot of people do because Lizbeth is also does a lot of underwear clad um computer work That's too. A, yeah, a lot <laughs> of like just I, I was trying to think if I ever like sat down at the computer in my underwear just to take care of some business work. I'm, no. 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 Maybe, like a, maybe in college? Like, yeah. maybe? Yeah, maybe? maybe? <laughs> like, but, like, yeah, it's a weird. It's it's weird. It's weird. Like, throw, throw on some, throw some, some track pants. Hey. <laughs> hey, Blomquist, put on some damn jeans. Yeah, put on some underwear. Put on some clothes, Blomquist. You're freaking <laughs> yeah. us out. Yeah. Um, Blomquist also has a daughter who, um, what I like about that I wish that also wish it was kind of funny. She's religious, and he yeah. just finds that to be the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> he has no respect for his daughter. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, he's got a daughter, but he's like, he's so funny about how easygoing it is. About how he's just he clearly is a man about town, just <laughs> falling into bed after bed after bed, and no there- one really is like all that concerned. Yeah, with that, like a, with, with that about him. He's a he's kind of a messy guy. Oh, for sure. And it's funny, too, because it feels like he's also just like everyone. It feels like everyone in Sweden, like, knows him. Like, it, yeah, he's super famous. Yeah. And it, it rem- I think it's Stieg Larsson's, like, absolute fantasy scenario about being uh, a cool dude reporter. Yeah, it reminds. Have you seen the movie Continental Divide with John Belushi? No, he not. plays. He plays a yeah. So in that movie, in Continental Divide, John Belushi plays almost like a Studs Terkel type character, or like a Jimmy Breslin type character, yeah. like a Chicago Jimmy Breslin. And he's like, and when he walks around Chicago, everyone's like, "Hey, it's Ernie." I think his character's name was Ernie. It's like, "Hey, it's Ernie." Oh, Ernie, that's our local <laughs> reporter. Like everyone knows him and loves him, and it feels like Stockham <sighs> is like that with the uh, Mikhail Blomqvist. Yeah. He's rad, you know, and everyone's yeah. like, you know, everyone and everyone kind of seems to agree, despite the fact he was guilty in court of libel, mm-hmm. that he got railroaded. Mm-hmm. He's still like the best journalist in Stockholm. Yeah. Including wealthy Heinrich Wanger, mm-hmm. played by the great Academy uh, Academy favorite Christopher Plummer. There's so um, much for so little. Who basically is like, you are disgraced. You're never writing for the damn newspaper again. No, no, no. But you're an aw- you we know you're awesome. We know you're totally mm-hmm. rad and you're the best investigator, maybe the best investigator in Stockholm. Maybe the second best because we haven't met the second best yet. Or the first mm-hmm. best yet. Um first best does appear shortly though. Mm-hmm. Uh who wants to investigate the 40-year-old disappearance and presumed murder of his grandniece, 16-year-old Harriet. He mm-hmm. feels he's being taunted by the killer with these flowers, and he needs to come visit him in remote Sweden. 
to begin investigating. And he actually gets a great line. He goes, I need you to investigate the most depraved and worst people in the world. <laughs> my my family. And they are. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> they They're jerks. They're <laughs> a bunch of jerks. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so it's, you yeah. know, he's, he's not underselling it to Mikhail that he's like, somehow he's like a saint. Like two. Like you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop on Heinrich. No, somehow this family got one nice guy, incredibly successful businessman. Yeah, one normal man. One normal man. Also, what should be known as Heinrich in the flashbacks is played by Julian Sands, the great late great Julian oh, Sands. I wanted to say that too. I love, yeah. but I saw I like hooted and hollered. When I know I saw a big Sands. like yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. Awesome. I was like. Uh, one of the best to do it. Yeah. Miss him every day. Same here. Just like yeah. great. Yeah. I'm, I wish. Yeah. He never got to uh, reach like the heights he could have reached in my opinion. Just an incredible I know. actor. But he played the God tier performance in Warlock and Warlock 2 though. God, he has such a resting Warlock face. Like you do look at yeah. that guy and you think, yeah, he's probably like a wizard of some kind. <laughs> yeah. But so good. So, so fun. Um, mm. The flashback scenes, Fincher just, I mean, Let's get into it now. The technical aspects of this movie are so overwhelmingly good mm-hmm. at every single level that you can forgive the absolute, at times, silliness of the story. At mm-hmm. a level, I don't know if I've ever forgiven the silliness of a story. Yeah, very forgivable. It. You're like, something this silly you also shouldn't say should have been nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards, but he should have been nominated for Best Director yeah. at the Academy he, Awards. He is working overtime with the uh, material uh, that uh, he is you know, kind of directing circles around. And I, I was reading a quote, the esteemed critic Amy Taubin said that he has never had a f- screenplay worthy of his talents. That? Which... It's bold because I mean, Social Network Seven, mm. but at the same time, you're like Boy, Zodiac. He he Zodiac, but at the same time, you're like, oh, he is that good though. Like yeah. I think even Quentin Tarantino suggested that he is the best director, but Quentin was always like he doesn't write, and mm. is that like um, does that stop him from reaching like? Yeah, the, top, the toppest of top tiers because he is like so such a good fucking director. <laughs> he is, yeah. It is like so like everything he does is so expertly crafted, and it well, no, it's interesting. It is like the fact that he doesn't. Well, he's such a can, you know, he's like a control freak a little bit, not in the yeah. bad like, and the way that all the best directors are. So that that makes it doubly fascinating that he isn't because like, what's the most you know true in way to have total control, right? the thing you're directing like, yeah but yeah, it's also it's so interesting his continuous love of kind of seedier genre affair yeah too he like like you know you don't see like the kubricks of the maybe maybe with the shining but he changes so much but you don't see them taking on panic room or this mm-hmm. or gone think, girl or gone girl yeah like his like drive to take kind of supermarket bestsellers and turn and, them into these like really intricate, like beautifully crafted pieces is really something. Now I think 
Panic Room is contained enough as an experiment, which makes it interesting. I think Gone Girl is just too kind of deliciously fun yeah. and funny to... Um... It's, a, it's kind of a black comedy in the way that David <laughs> yeah. Fincher, a lot of David Fincher's films are, are uh, in quotes, black comedies. <laughs> yeah, this one is so... This was so grim. <laughs> yeah. Like, anyway, but... <laughs> cinematography jeff cronenweth who we've oh. talked about before on other fincher productions and boy this might be my favorite one of yeah. his work this is so gorgeous the the swedish the cold swedish side just fits them yeah <clears throat> he, yeah fincher is like spiritually scandinavian yeah. I'm convinced yeah like yeah this is, yeah and the way that just the dourness i love like the scene uh, in the original or in the uh, the Swedish version of the Danish Swedish production film, mm-hmm. um, they they had the Christmas scene, for example, and it's very like warm the way they uh-huh. film it. Like uh, uh, Nick Viss character is like teaching his kids how to make meatballs, and uh, <laughs> and in this and in this version, it's so like sterile and dour, yeah. and I love like it's very like I don't know. I feel like that's a very much uh, the. I think the Ventur- the Venturian vibe matches the dour mood of the source material very yeah, nicely. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think he he doesn't see any of it as a good time. No, like even like when they're the family it's when he's with all, family because like, um, he's like divorcing and like yeah, yeah. like that family's not super it's happy. All very um foreboding, ominous. Like even, for sure. Yeah, like the scene where I I actually pointed to the cinematographer I'm working with now. See where he has dinner with at Martin's house and Martin's like sterile house. Mm. Just kind of like the weird vibe of it, despite the fact it's like Martin's a friendly guy. Yeah, well, being, and like and, despite being played by a stone scars guard. Yeah, the most evil man. Like like Stellan has resting evil face. It's a tough he, he kind of does, and it's a little yeah, it's, it's a there. Tough, it, yeah, it's a bummer because like there was a time when he was like you was able to get away with playing like he was like the the professor in Goodwill Hunting. He was yeah. bad, you know. Yeah, not not Robin Williams. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but it's just it's so well crafted, and I think obviously the um the craft that needs to be really shouted out here is Kirk Baxter and Angus Wall's editing, ooh, which. Ooh. This is one of the best edited movies I can think of. <laughs> like it's just it's yes. so precise, so sharp. Every edit is a knife. And you're just like, oh, it's like going through butter. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. And all of the insert shots and all of the investigation shots. It's taking everything they learned from Zodiac and like exploding it out in the investigation sequences. It's so and then with um Zodiac didn't have the Ross Resner score mm. pulsating through the investigation yeah. scenes to go along with the editing, which and then the cross cutting between Blomquist and Salander's separate investigations too. It's and the use of computer technology that they didn't have in Zodiac to show how they're putting the pieces together too. Right. So all of it comes together in this like it's just so it's it's enthralling. Yeah. Oh, it's so enthralling. Well, and the and the score is just like beyond. Like I love 
I love, love, love the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score. Like, it, it yeah. might be one of my favorite, with the exception of Social Network, it might be their best score they've done. It doesn't have kind of the iconic. I, I, I'm, I think the word iconic needs to be um, retired. <laughs> maybe from our show, but certain, but definitely, definitely from our show. Maybe from culture entirely. It's weird. It's a, it's, it's a tough word. To, it's a tough word to use because I feel like sometimes, like, yeah, what is? Well, it requires time. Mm, and people are true. referring to like an album that came out last year as like, oh yeah it's like yeah get out yeah, of here that yeah you're just like using yeah but like it's been enough time you can call it iconic if it's been like a decade you can say well, iconic. I That's think the iconic role. has to be something that has stayed in the mindset and mm. also influenced culture and i think their social network score has done both yeah yeah i, I i'm with that I, I agree you know it's a sea change in how movies are scored comes after social network. Yeah, the Reznor Ross sound is something that a lot of people are going for. So simultaneous to Lizbeth's or uh Mikhail's journey, mm-hmm. we meet Lizbeth Salander, the punk rock anti social young mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. who was originally hired to be an investigator and hacker into Blomquist's accounts. So yeah. we know she's good because she was the one who gave Venerstrom all the info. But mm-hmm. she, yeah, she does. And she's, I love the way they like, they introduce her. She's like, yeah, she doesn't play well with others and all that. Kind of, and it's kind yeah. of her riding up on her motorcycle. Well, and it's like, she has like, it's so like this interpretation of the character. If It's like, she's, um, it has a little bit of that. Like, it's like Anton Chigger or something like that. She almost yeah. feels like an entity at times. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um she's played very um chilly, but I think in a good way because it's guarded because it's yeah. clear her life has been um rough. Awful. Rough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ruffle. and it's like Raffle. Raffle, yeah. yeah. She's rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and so of course she'd be guarded. Of course she yeah. would avoid yeah. vulnerability, all of these mm-hmm. kind of things. Um she's played by Rudy Mara. We mm-hmm. last discussed Rudy Mara on um, the Social Network episode. I would argue that um, this is this is her all time performance. Yes, I would say the same thing. I mean, I can I make a super embarrassing podcast admittance? Mm-hmm. Oh man, can't believe I'm going to say that. I'm going to get so much flack. I haven't seen Carol. I haven't, I haven't seen Carol. I, I, I haven't either. Oh my God! Whisper that out loud. I haven't, I haven't seen Carol. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. But like, but like, yeah, yeah. One day, yeah, I'll, I'll do it at some point. I want to. Yeah, I really want to. But like, yeah, but that's like the only movie I can think of that's in the like. This is, I think, this is like her magnum opus performance. Like, it's definitely going to be the one. Yeah, it's like she's she understood the assignment. Mm-hmm. This was a star-making role, mm-hmm. and she puts the benefits of hitting a home run here would be immense and almost infinite with for her career and kind of her standing. Mm-hmm. And so she, I, I've there are very few in movies this big, this committed, and this kind of like bold performance 
like everything that is asked of her, which many other actresses would absolutely positively turn down. She seems to, she comes into like at a 10 out of 10 effort. It seems. Yeah. It's a complete utter. When you compare Rooney Mara in this to Rooney Mara in the social network, like, Oh mm -hmm. my God, it is it's a complete utter change transformation. It is wild. Well, and then also like, did you see the, this is another movie. I feel like we have to go through the different casting. Like well, it was... it's. I mean, we could, or else we could, or we could simply say every single young woman between the ages of twenty and twenty-nine in Hollywood who was a known name or not even perhaps known name. Yeah, it's crazy. Was up for this role. The freaking lady from the Antwerp was considered at one point. <laughs> That's insane. The 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 South African hip hop mm -hmm. group, the female member. It's yes. nuts. The lady Ev in Chappie. Everyone. 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 Man. Um, many though dropped out due to how long it was going to take. The pay was not actually terrific, and the level of um. Frankly, rough scenes and nudity and that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's Which, it's yeah. It, there, a lot it was required. Yeah. Of this, um, she went out for it, and at first, David Fincher was um, concerned about her kind of youthful college girl appearance that he remembered her from from working with her on Social Network, which, you know. Yeah. Is easy. That's difficult to um not yeah because like you know not yeah she see yeah and I guess it's very different and it's night and day the character she portrays in that and the character she portrays in this. Mm -hmm. But she came in apparently to the screen test and um was abrasive, combative, and had already like done things like cut her hair and given herself piercings and the things of that nature. Wow. Um, and they were like okay and. Fincher did some screen tests for her to convince Sony because they wanted a bigger, they wanted a, frankly, a Jennifer Lawrence, Kira Knightley, Scarlett Johansson type. Yeah. For the role. Like a big name. A big name. Yeah. A giant name. Um, and, um, but he won out with her and boy, did he win out. Um, it's a, it's a fierce, committed, brilliant performance that, um, keeps the movie real keeps the movie from sliding into being too silly mm -hmm. and a lot of it's what she has to go through so on her side of things she's a um, freelance hacker and investigator who has a um who is a ward of the state mm -hmm. or i'm sure it's probably explained further in the other books but in this we don't really know kind of a ton of her backstory um yeah she her previous state appointed guardian has had a stroke and he seems like a very kind man who wants to play chess and is just um, that her new state appointed guardian is the worst person in the world. And I'm not, referring to, I'm not referring to another Swedish film or Norwegian film. He is the worst guy. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Sucks, um, sucks to be. Yeah. And it's a it's funny, too, because like in a movie full of the worst guy. Oh yeah, totally this, irredeemable. This man really shines <laughs> in that department. Well, I gotta shout out. Uh, so that actor is so. Um, his name was a Yorick Van yeah. Wagon. 
God, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce this, uh, brother. Uh, Wagoningen. He's um, see, um, he's uh, Dutch. Dutch. He's Dutch. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Those classic Dutch surnames, but like, and he's great. There's a movie. Have you ever seen The Way? It's like an Emilio Estevez film. I'm not. Um, no. He's really, he's really good in it. Is like a, lo- he's like very lovable in that. Like he's, he's a the, very, he's the heavy in Michael Mann's Black Hat. That's what I knew him from. Ooh, interesting. Like, but and so he's yeah, and so uh, it's so funny too. Like reading about like he was like I was so happy to be in a David Fincher movie, but it also kind of sucked that this is the role I had to play. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's like he was very realistic about the fact. Like, geez, man, people are only gonna see me. Yeah, As this guy, this terrible fucking guy. <laughs> like, yeah, this is yeah, this is a bummer. This is, and, but he does a great and well. And he was trying to find what I think why the the role is so slimy and works so well is he was trying to find the humanity in that yeah. character, which and, is harder than like you know just trying to play like a pitch black evil gentleman. Yeah, true sicko though. Who, oh, um, also like adding like the photo of the family. I know his kid crazy. Yeah, it's dark. It's yeah, re- and. Yeah, you know, we won't go into great detail on. We don't have to. That's the like, next we, forty yeah. minutes of this. But essentially, he's a deeply sexually abusive Troubled. person yeah. who, and we get a scene that's very deeply like fast forward worthy on second <laughs> yeah. viewing because you're like, I know what this is. I don't need to see yeah. it again. Yeah. Uh, unsettling. Um, unbeknownst to him, though, she records it, and at their next meeting, she tasers him, and we get a revenge sequence that is also terribly unsettling <laughs> it is but... and it's so funny because like i remember when i watched that in theaters like people like were like hooting and hollering and like yeah <sighs> and it's and it's like it's it is yes. like you're you're it's a satisfying conclusion to this monster he gets yeah. what he does he does get what he deserves it does not mean that it's easy to watch no it's very <laughs> it's uh, these movies there is like a you can tell that like like torture porn was in the air <laughs> like you know like yeah even yeah, yeah even like and more yeah well even the success of these books which probably describe all this oh it's a real sure. um it's it's like you're lurid. right there, it's a real lurid nastiness yeah it's very okay. lurid it's very like yeah and it's just like um it's a lot it's a lot and it's like in and, and nowadays i think it felt novel at the time too because we hadn't like i feel like fincher this movie goes, and we said this earlier. He went to an extreme that we hadn't gotten to before. Since so seven. there was since yeah, seven, yeah. since seven. But even like this, I feel like is more explicit than seven in a lot of well, ways. Well, I think it's because um, you can get away with more, maybe. And well, it's also postmortem. Yeah, seven in most cases, and it's put planting ideas in your head. You're like visualizing what you think happened in seven, whereas in this, you're seeing everything. Yeah, that's it. And I think that yeah. that's it's a different thing um, mm-hmm. entirely. But it's 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 very rough. But I think also now we've gotten to the point where we've gone too far in the other direction. We're not showing anything at all. That's true. And and it's like there's a balance between kind of gross stuff and too far, too little. Yeah, I think, the, and there's nothing wrong with like I think like yeah, like you should be allowed to show yeah. like really crazy. Like that's like and I that's think... like. It, yeah, I think the tough part with this is that this this script has no real like has nothing to say. It's not trying to make a point about anything. Mm. 
<laughs> this I think it was, but it's kind of like very surfacey. So it just feels it 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 the balancing act between exploitive mm. and not is a little gray here. Yeah, it can be and a little queasy. Yeah, it can be a little queasy. Yeah, and um. Anyway, yeah, it's very rough, but she kind of gets you know it's it's long story short she you know she recorded his terrible actions then she tortures him does a whole bunch of nasty stuff to him and then basically tells him she's getting financial independence and if he ever tries to contact her again the it goes on the internet and then she leaves him with a tattoo that no one will um <laughs> no one will forget meanwhile yeah, had, a, had a fun tattoo <laughs> Blomquist is hanging out in the in deep in the deep regions of Sweden, checking out yeah. uh Vanger's relatives who um yeah, oh yeah, they are um oh basically abusive Nazis. Yeah, but hey, at least there's this cool cat I just discovered. Yeah. Nothing oh, will happen to nothing, this cat. Nothing will happen to that cat. <laughs> nothing will happen um, to it. Surely nothing and, will happen to this cat. Yeah, and he starts really kind of like digging in on um getting closer. And he, um, the closer he gets, the weirder everyone around him seems to get. A little more mm -hmm. conspiratorial. And then the cat, cat is found totally mutilated on his doorstep, which oh, yeah. is upsetting to everyone. It is like, I remember that was one of the most shocking, like, and it still hits, it still hits. Because it's just like, it's so graphic and like visceral. And repulsive, and I love uh, Elizabeth's reaction to just be yeah. like, "I'm gonna take photos of this." Uh, so, about an hour and fifteen minutes into this very long 158 minute movie, mm -hmm. um, Blomquist decides he needs a researcher and assistance in this mm -hmm. to finish up this investigation, and mm -hmm. he discovers the person who did the investigation on him would probably be the best option. So, it takes an hour of the movie. But they finally meet. Yeah, he, bring, he, br he brings her Dunkin' Donuts after she has a a tryst, uh, a nightclub tryst with another young woman. Yep, uh, and she, I, Salander's diet, by the way, <laughs> yeah. crazy. I think she lives off of Happy Meal French fries. I think that's yeah, which I kind of love. I do love that trope of like, uh, like uh, you know, horrible. Diet. Like I smoke and I only mm. eat French fries and. I'm and still like, yeah, yeah. It's self-destructive. Yeah, she's exactly. self-destructive, and mm -hmm. she um, they begin the investigation in earnest. Mm -hmm. They start getting closer and closer. Then one night he's he's on a stroll and nearly takes a bullet to the head. Yeah. Um, she helps clean him up. I, what I love is that scene where he's in the bathtub and blood is dripping off of him. That's mm -hmm. CGI blood. And it no looks way. so good. Yeah, it looks yeah. so good. Just looks so good, <laughs> like and, and Man, um. I love that. I love that. So she patches him up. He cries like a baby. Yeah, throughout, he's like throughout a little... it. He what is he? Is that dental floss or whatever? He says, <laughs> oh yeah, that whole stitching. Him. <laughs> like, he's like so petrified. He's such a he's such a like like this effete like city guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like if you like trapped uh flipping uh the Michael Barberi like the the New York yeah. Daily guy in the middle of the flip in the girl with the dragon tattoo world. <laughs> yeah, 
but oh he, um, I love his looks in the movie, by the way. Oh yeah. Like all of his outfits are great. They're, they're like right up my alley in terms of clothes I would want to wear. Oh yeah. But regardless, she puts him in a bed and she, for <laughs> reasons unbeknownst to me. Yeah. Do you have that's... a reason? Do you have a reason for this at all? What I'm getting okay. to? I think you know what I'm getting at here. I know what you're getting. So here's my thing. And I feel like in the other movie, so the way that like he gets uh he gets her to join the team is a little different. Mm-hmm. So he like sends her in the other movie, she sends him an email. Uh she like cracks the the Leviticus, like the Bible code mm-hmm. stuff, and then emails that to da- to uh Michael Nickvist's character to Blomkvist. And oh, so and, and and so like I think she's like interested, she's like more like interested in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think like that kind of like there's like a few more. And I think in this one, I wish they just like maybe if they like set the because I kind of understand their relationship a little bit in the sense of like he's like kind of like this normal, nice guy and represents like something. He he respects her skills and her as a person. Yeah, exactly. And so like I, I see how the relationship could work. I think just in this movie, it's very forced, and just immediately, it's like, and oh, he's okay. Such a, he's such a dorky himbo. He is a dorky for the himbo. most part. Yeah, like he, yes, he is Daniel Craig, and we know him as James Bond. But it's like everyone wants to jump his bones, including Elizabeth in this scene. She strips yeah. down. He strips down. They have a rather graphic sex scene. Yeah, <laughs> although it's also like I think like uh, I was talking to my mom about this because we watched it together. Like uh, it's also like about a uh, fun for like, the whole like family. A... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, dude, fun. <laughs> I made my parents watch both of these movies back to back. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> My mom wouldn't get near this movie with a ten foot fucking pole. <laughs> like, yeah, know. yeah, no, I'm bad son, bad son, <laughs> the, the bad son <laughs> material. But uh, but like uh, but like I think like um, she likes control too. I think Salander like yeah. she likes to set the tone, and so like you know that can that that's a bit of a justification too. Mm, I think which is yeah. which is cool. It's just it's just kind of a it feels a little sudden that all of a sudden oh it's na- abrupt uh, it's all random. of a sudden they're naked and. You know, yeah. Well, it's like there's no, there's no hint that she likes him in any yeah. capacity. Yeah, there's no. Yeah. It's it's not like that's not it's not foreshadowed. So it is weird. I agree but with you. Regardless, it does bond them and it makes them closer. Yeah, they yeah, work so really. They they work really. Re- they're a really good team. They work really yeah. well together. And basically, what it comes down to is what they discover is that. Mm. Oh, it's worse than you thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. There's more. <laughs> uh, Gottfried, the brother of Heinrich Christopher Plummer. Mm. Yeah, the other was, Nazi was a sadistic murderer and abuser. Yeah, bad boy. And he's passed that trade after he is killed. He has passed yeah. that trade on to, of course, his son Martin. Yeah, seemingly nice. Stellan Martin Scar, seemingly inviting Martin. And uh oh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. is on the other side of town. She has figured this out, but Blomquist has taken a stroll up to Martin's pad. Oh no! And we're like, we as an audience, this is the um. So Hitchcock described it. This is this is this is suspense in a nutshell. You have two mm-hmm. people at a table. There's a bomb under the table, but only the audience knows of the existence of the bomb. Mm-hmm. 
and that's suspense. When is the bomb going to go off? When is someone going to figure it out? We know about it, though. We're like, oh, no, do something about this. We know Martin is a baddie. Mm-hmm. We know Blumquist is actually not the most skilled guy. No. In these kind it's, of Why would he be? Yeah, in these exactly. Kind of yeah, like, would you, would you expect freaking... Uh... I, so any any of those guys to do it? We're yeah. like really, really, you know, it's it's the other the great the greatest suspense scene I can think of in the last thirty or forty years is um when Jodie Foster figures out it's Buffalo Bill's house, but it doesn't know it's Buffalo Bill that she's talking to, and that entire yeah. last sequence of Silence of the Lambs, right? I love yeah, one of the greatest, yeah. one of the so good because we're like, oh, we know it's him, yeah. Like, and we like we're not sure about her yet. She's a rookie, you know. She hasn't like in the field. Yeah. She had we haven't seen if she can like where she's at. And we know how fucking scary and awful he is. Yeah. And and we're like we and we want her to get out of it so <laughs> bad. Like we like her so much. Yeah, we want her to and live. We we we. I don't think we're at that level with Blomquist, but we also don't want Blomquist to die. Mm-hmm. We like we like him enough, right? We right. certainly wouldn't want Lisbeth in that, but we also don't think Lisbeth would let herself get into that situation <laughs> for the most part. I mean, she get tricked by the social social worker, but mm. um, yeah, but she's like, I also she flat out says, I didn't expect you to be as fucking depraved as you turned out to be. Yeah, no, she had him. Well, yeah, there's yeah, and <laughs> she like I underestimate. She's never gonna let that happen again. No, but. Bl- Blomquist is not certain totally about Martin, but he, he's pretty much there mm-hmm. on it when he goes up there. But he's just yeah. not he's not prepared. And Fincher does a wonderful job of showing all the possible weapons. There he at one point he walks past that hunting case with all those rifles and shit like that. Yeah, it is crazy. It it, it looks like a house Hannibal Lecter would own. It, it truly do a great job of demonstrating that. We we are also heading into the greatest sequence in this entire movie. Oh, here, yeah, this is, the best. Stuff. this is the this is the best part of the movie. We all know that. This is what we've been hoping for, and it delivers tenfold. Beyond yeah. your wildest imagination, how good with this a last plum. sequence with a plum. This last sequence could be. So Martin offers him a drink. Martin notices there's a knife missing from the knife rack. Mm-hmm. Blomquist has it, and Martin pulls out a gun, and he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna put put the knife away." And he's calm, and he's scary as shit because he's so calm. Mm-hmm. Great performance from Stellan Skarsgård here too. <sighs> Incredible. Mama Mia, Mama Mia's Stone Scars card. Yeah, Mama Mia's um, He goes, he goes, come on, let me show you something. Does he have a fucking secret evil guy room? You better believe he's got Damn a secret street. evil guy room. <laughs> like, an insa- with an insane, and, and it's like. Wild it, setup. It's Absolutely. so great that Martin's like a billionaire because it does give you the justification to just to have, have this insane. Evil, like truly evil guy room. Yeah, it's a torture. It's you got a tour. He has a torture yeah. chamber. He has a tiny cage that he puts people in. Way too and tiny of a cage. He plays it so calm, and he says stuff like, "Never done this to a man before." And you're like, "Ugh." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah it gives you the willies. And they get in there, and they're about to take a drink, and then Martin puts on a gas mask and flips a switch. There's uh, gases the room. Down goes Blumquist. What a cool like twist on that too, because like I feel like that scene. 
any other director, it'd be like chloroform on the nose yeah. or like a. Oh, it looks, uh, it looks so good with the it's gas and everything. Just it's so yeah. cool. It just aesthetically, it's pleasing and unique. And meanwhile, Elizabeth has got the info. She gets back to their um, their rental place on the property. Mm-hmm. Luckily, earlier because she's been so parent because she's actually a legitimate like paranoid person. Mm-hmm. She equipped the place with cameras. Mm-hmm. And she goes in and she sees Martin had been there checking stuff out. And she's like, uh oh, where's Mikhail? Mm-hmm. And Martin was here. This is bad. Mm-hmm. So she is like, I got to get up to, I'm going to go to Martin's, mm-hmm. figure out what happened. Yep. Yes, he was up. Meanwhile, though, Bloomquist is tied up in like. Just an, this insane sort of... thing. It does not seem healthy for Daniel Craig. It seems like it was very difficult no. to even be in that position. Oh, and for sure. Martin is giving Martin's giving the traditional bad guy. Yeah, I killed them all. This is how I did it, and I love it. I it's know kinda... the only way I'm horny. Yeah, you know I'm a here. I'm going to reveal what I'm a total sicko. Yeah, I'm a freak. You, yeah, <laughs> and you know it. You know it already. But I'm going to tell you all about it. As he's all hooked up, and you're like, boy. Bloomquist is in. Yeah, he's Tire in a reach here. He's in. A, this is bad. This call, is bad call, the Sultan, call the Sultan. Call the Sultan's is stewing because yeah. this guy's in dire straits. Bad news, brother. Bad news, dude. <laughs> bad news, bears. <laughs> yeah, really bad. We're feeling it. And on top of all of that, David Fincher has made perhaps his chef's kiss choice by mm-hmm. blasting Enya. Over the soundtrack of this entire sequence, Mm -hmm. choosing something so ethereal and new agey to soundtrack something the worst thing you've ever seen. Hasn't been a uh, not since Reservoir Dogs has there been such a great, like, you know, dramatic juxtaposition of song and and actions. A good comp, because I think that's a clear influence here. On oh. this, on this choice, because you got to go back to the year slicing scene and stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Um, you got to, to really it. like capture the same vibe that's going on here. The same energy, yeah. Michael yeah. Madsen doing similar things that Stellan, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Stellan, yeah, he's so good, and I love yeah. he has this like drink. It's just great. I know he's doing it like as a classy rich guy. Mm-hmm. Like this is a game I play because I don't know how I don't know how to feel anything anymore beyond, and I'm a monster. Yeah, you know. And I have like the uh, the um, the resources to play oh, out my insane perverted fantasies. And I'm a rich, since I'm a rich guy, I'm going to get away with it. Yeah. So he is about to take down Blomquist, and then Fincher, as usual, he shoots it perfectly. Elizabeth has got like a golf club, and she's slowly but surely lurking into the room. We get Daniel Craig kind of registering that she's right there, <laughs> just like classic suspense beats. And she goes, oh, yeah. And she says, hey. And Martin turns around. And he gets, she whacks that guy with the damn golf club right up, right in the dome. Busts him wide open. He's down. She, she crack, she cuts Daniel Craig down. Mm-hmm. And we get this great moment <laughs> where they turn and Martin has run away. And she turns back to Daniel Craig and she goes, can I kill him now? <laughs> and you're like, oh, she's wants I and this is what you like is like she's a good guy, but she's crazy. She is oh, crazy. She's like, a she lunatic. does get off on this. And yeah, it's, it's, like, it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, regard. for sure. Oh yeah. Well, and also like, oh god. I also have to say I love 
what Stella and Stars like like his jaw is like broken. Oh it yeah, is... and yeah, the makeup and all the the oh, gore it's effects. So good. It's so it's so good. Yeah. Um, and we get like, as with usual, with David Fincher, you're like, oh. When is he going to get a chance to show off? How about this great nighttime through the snow SUV <laughs> motorcycle chase through the wilderness and across bridges and stuff like that? Uh, and it's so good. It's so crisp and classy. And then mm-hmm. Starsguard ends up driving off the road and crashing into a gas station. We know, oopsie doopsie, car catches yeah. on fire. This thing looking good. But Fincher gives her another really smart move. She pulls up the bike. She unleashes like her her gun. It gives her this rad hero like Denzel Washington and Man on Fire walk up. Oh yeah, to to the thing like all these like. One thing I've noticed in kind of putting together a movie mm-hmm. is that you could do if you're gonna do like the slow cinema style, you don't have to worry about this as much. Mm-hmm. But pretty much in any other movie, you kind of do have to think about like how am I gonna do a put a hero shot in here? How am I gonna like? to put in an image that is unforgettable like a poster image or like a right like, you know that kind of trailer image yeah those are important yeah to the overall kind of thing like i always think Especially about like, in... like, like todd phillips on the set of joker when he's like looking through the viewfinder as joaquin phoenix is dancing down those steps and be like okay guys I think we did it. Yeah, like, it's like we, we found the moment that will be. Uh, we found our gif moment. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like, and it's unfortunate you have to think that way, but it's like they've been doing that for forever. You yeah, have to no. think about that. It's cool oh, for sure. It makes yeah. it look great. Like you need like yeah, like it it's makes incre- it a movie. That, you know, for sure. Like that's why. Like you want it to look good and you want it to be memorable. It, it's like I know, like. On an art of your film site, Joe Kim Trier, when he was setting up the day that she had to do her run through the town and worst person in the world and everyone's frozen, mm-hmm. he's like, "We're gonna get something. This is it. This is the this is the showstopper right here." You know, right? I think that Fincher know that here, that he'd get the same deal. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. It... But before she can blow him away, his car blows up, yeah, and he gets the old rich guy died in a car accident this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> news story you know you know Nothing, we know just... we know this we know that this is the same old song i'm sure that there were conspiracies in sweden after this forever about martin <laughs> yeah normal yeah definitely a normal car accident and wow we did it we figured it out mm-hmm. case closed but then you pause the movie you're like oh wait there's a half hour left in this movie oh huh. okay huh. what are we looking at here what are we trying Thanks to do chase here what they discover is that Harriet, the woman that they thought long dead, is actually in hiding in London. They escaped mm. her from the abuses, and they point her out. And we're like, that's nice. Christopher Plummer's happy. But emotionally, as an audience, we're still kind of high off of the supply that was the Stellan Skarsgård sequence. And yeah. we're like, whatever. It's also like, I feel like Plummer hasn't been in the movie for like an hour at this point. You've almost like forgotten about... They don't establish Harriet as someone we're supposed to like be worried about whether they lived or died. I assume she was dead. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I, and I, but she wasn't interesting enough to me to say, oh, I'm glad she's back. Here's my take. Like, Fincher should have like, just let it, let her be gone. Like, let it be a mystery. That would have been interesting. Like, I think that would have been a more interesting, um, and I guess in the book, it's probably like, you know, because in the other movie, there's probably more to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and well, it's so funny too. In the other movie, she's in Australia, so they like go to Australia, and she's like working on a farm in like deepest Australia. It's very weird. <laughs> and they couldn't afford that, even at hundred million dollars here. Go to London and shoot her in an office building. Like, yeah. come on, <laughs> like it's a get quick, out, get out much, of here, get out of here. Much, much quicker company move and flight for that one. <laughs> but he or shoot it in Stockholm and claim it's London. That's probably what they did. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and simultaneous to that. Um, Heinrich's promise to get back at you remember Vennerstrom? Do you remember that guy? From, oh from yeah, two, two hours ago on this podcast. Another a lot of like <laughs> threads that get tied at the very end. I know. Uh, he's like, I, I actually can't help you get him back and get your life savings back, but guess who can? Elizabeth decides because she's now fully like enamored with Mikhail. Mm. She's mm. gonna go on this like fifteen minute undercover operation that I barely understood to like. Oh, yeah. Financially, gets... financially ruin and expose Venerstrom as a gangster. Mm-hmm. Oh, and interestingly enough, the most interesting part of this sequence is that she has to dress like a normal upper class person. Oh yeah, disguise here, and you know what she's dressed as Harriet. Ooh, do you pick up on that? No, until now. That yeah. you're right though. That is very weird. You were yeah, right. That, that is interesting. Like a... That's a, that, that is a, that does have an interesting little twist to the entire thing. That that's her yeah. idea of a normal person. Oh God, yeah, that is fascinating. It is like, yeah. yeah. Well, also, I love that she's like, "Can I borrow fifty thousand dollars?" By the way, I know that you have sixty five thousand yeah. dollars. She's bank like, account. And he's like, "I don't have that." He goes, "Yeah, you do." I've looked in your bank. He's like, "Oh, geez, <laughs> you know." And but she goes in and she she does this and. Mm-hmm. This time around, when I watched the movie, I was like, I always thought, like, I don't give a shit about his money and Vennerstrom and all that. Like, he, his oh, character man. is not as um, compelling as Salander's character. No, it's not. And so I'm like, oh, I guess, like, you could have ended this movie like, wow, we did it. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And, it's going, another, you know, and I, I don't know where the other movies or books go. So it's like, oh, maybe he's not a journalist anymore. Maybe becomes like a private investigation team. With mm-hmm. her, and they in the next movie, they're it's like her and that doing, one uh, computer hacker or whatever with the, with the nine inch nails shirt, which is really oh, funny. Shout out to it. his to his boys, um, <laughs> but no, I guess not because it's like it is about getting his reputation back and getting like basically cutting back. To, but also, I think that there is something now that I talk about it, kind of like getting back to normal for him, helping mm-hmm. him get his life back. But unfortunately, getting his life back, what that means is she's not included. Ooh. Think about that. Mm. And so he does it. She does it. She gets away with all of it. Vennerstrom is killed by the mob, which I, I didn't even know there was a Swedish mob. Yeah. But um, anyway, regardless. Uh, Mikhail, Drop like him in he, a vat of boiling lingonberry jam. Yeah, Mikhail IKEA is like okay after you, um, <laughs> big IKEA. But he, um, so she gets back to town. They have they have sex again too, which is kind of wild. But and I, you're right, dude. Too, she like dominates and tells him what to do. Yeah, during the, it, during the that sex scene, I think well. it's like yeah, I think that's like. She only feels comfortable when she's like in complete control. Which, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And what is love, though, mm. than losing control? Because Ooh. she comes to care about him even more. And, oh, and David Fincher loves control, too. 
Yeah, there's a uh, lot going on there. I love all these connections. Because she decides to get him a Christmas gift, which is this fancy cool dude leather biker jacket that they could go motorcycle riding together and be cool people together. Yeah, be cool friends. Cool biker she writes friends. him a card, which we don't know about, but I'm guessing inside of the card is actually like... I love you. Perhaps her first moment of vulnerability to another human yeah. being in a really long time, if ever. Because why? What has society done to give her any reason to be vulnerable? Yeah, not much. She drives up in the snow on her bike to, to give him his gift, and he sees she sees him having the time of his life hanging out with Robin Wright again. Uh, he's back. He's got his job back. He's just yeah, everything for what was again. A, for what was a super emotional big moment in her life for him was just another job. And he's back to kind of doing his thing. Yep. And it was it was a vacation. She, she silently tosses the card and the jacket into a dumpster, drives her motorcycle off in the distance, cut to the credits, and that's that. I remember I like seeing that tattoo. Be- yeah. And it what? ends on such a um Dour. utterly melancholy sad note of David Fincher basically stating that if you decide to be vulnerable with another human being and lose control because of it, you're only asking for trouble. So don't ever yeah. <laughs> like you know. keep eating uh, those happy meals. Keep just having a, uh, you know, fling like never, never commit, never commit. It's, it's only su- gonna, it's only it gonna su- hurt. It sucks, but you're never going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You'll be safe. Uh, You'll oh be my safe. God. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it's such an interesting film because it's so long and they go on odd digressions that do add up. But in the moment, you're like, geez, this is going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so interesting about this movie is that so basically Sony Pictures had incredibly high hopes mm-hmm. for this they were all signed up to do all three of them mm-hmm. Fincher was already talking about yep we're going to go do the next two back to back and the movie huge ad campaigns we talked about the trailer the poster was her completely naked with him covering her up it was very all of it was very provocative oh for sure um like we said, it cost about a hundred million to produce. Crazy and that they spent, but I guess like this was post social network, so they're like, yeah, we'll give a hundred post social network with the biggest with the biggest book yeah. going with James Bond. Yeah, a lot going um, on. What they got was what the actual book was, which was a dour, brutal, sensationalistic, <laughs> with not a hell of a lot to say actually about the treatment of women mm-hmm. <laughs> by society. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. as much as it thought it was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, gross 236, 232.6 million in theatrical run. But due to its costs, and only 100 in the United States, it mm-hmm. was, um, they posted a modest loss on it. And yeah, because you can clearly, the way that it ended, you, you know that they were, Try. They're going. They were expecting a sequel and like a trilogy. Yeah, yeah. There would be more. Um, mm-hmm. they'd expected at least ten percent more. Mm-hmm. So, slowly but surely, the two sequels 
drifted further and further away the work everyone took other jobs craig went back to bond <laughs> and it became less and less of a priority especially at the exorbitant costs that the two sequels would have had <clears throat> to the point where they were never made mm. and we were left with just this one movie and as someone who has only seen this movie has never read the books never seen the other movies i i see this as a contained story Mm-hmm. I don't think about it at all, and I actually have no interest in ever seeing them again. Too, yeah. It, I, I, I don't, don't s- need it. I don't need any more of their story. Mm-hmm. I could honestly, I could see like I would almost rather like a um, like if you're gonna continue, like continue one or the other. Like, mm-hmm. I, like they don't have to like intertwine any further. Those two characters, like I think, like that they it leaves on an interesting because I like like. Mm-hmm. There's stuff to Salander that's interesting, and I can see her in different situations. I'd like to follow her foibles, but like, yeah, like it feels like from what we've seen in this film, mm-hmm. we don't need to like force some sort of relationship drama between them. Kind yeah. Of, yeah, and w- what makes me like that because it becomes an individual thing. It makes me think of it in the same realm as the game or Seven or right. you know Zodiac, where I mm-hmm. don't need more. Yeah, the it can be open ended a little bit. The, yeah, the story's exactly. done. Like it, to me, it is because it's like, oh, she goes off and maybe does something. He goes off and maybe does something. But the Heinrich story, all that stuff is done. Oh, it's over. Yeah, we don't need to. Yeah, yeah, done. And so I'm like fine with that. Absolutely fine. I don't need more of them, and I don't think anyone else does. I think the only person who really um, suffers by not mm-hmm. having more of them is Rooney Mara, because I, yeah. I think. I think going to bat and doing this character again and really making it your character mm-hmm. that no one else could play it again almost level. Um, she didn't get the chance to do it. And she was almost maybe just scratching the surface on this particular character. I don't need to see Daniel Craig, Mikael Blomquist again. Um, and I think David Fincher has better uses of his time than making three of these. Mm-hmm. Two. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, the movie got great reviews. 86% on Rotten oh, wow. Tomatoes. Brutal, yet captivating. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is the result of David Fincher working at his lurid best with a total role commitment from star Rooney Mara. Mm-hmm. Audiences liked it too. Give it an A cinema score. Um, critics in general, though, like A.O. Scott, who we bring up often, admired the moments of brilliantly orchestrated anxiety and confusion, but felt that the girl with Dragon Tattoo was vulnerable to the lumbering proceduralism he saw in its literary counterpart, as evidence in the long stretches of drab, hackneyed exposition that flattened the atmosphere. And they do investigate forever in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uniformly, though, everyone liked Rooney Mara's performance. Yeah. And there is that um, feral and vulnerable to Rooney Numi replaces borderline stereotype sex pot cut girl. <laughs> well, said one <laughs> critic. Um, and wow. yeah, she's she's great and mysterious all throughout it. Mm-hmm. Really, like gets you interested in the character and gets you provides more depth. Than I think the source material provides. And it should be known, Steve Zalian was the screenwriter on this one. Struggled yeah, oh. through six months of scripts. But in typical kind of Fincherian way, Fincherian, Fincher hires the the heavy hitters 
Oh yeah, this is scripts. this is the Steve Irishman Zalian. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is like much like Eric Roth, much like Aaron Sorkin. These are the yeah, the these are. Yeah. Hasn't worked with Scott Frank, but Scott Frank would be another one. Like oh yeah, the, the... Dave, David Cap, like all the yeah, like, David, yeah. and he has worked with Cap on um, Panic Room. Yep, there we go. <laughs> and yeah, I think he, um, yeah, all the big guns, and Andrew Kevin Walker, even to extent his own guy. Oh. Um, hmm. but so the film was nominated for a few Academy Awards, nominated for Best Actress, Rooney Mara. Best Cinematography, Jeff Cronenworth, Best Film Editing, Angus Wall, Kurt Baxter, Best Sound Editing, Ren Close, Best yeah. Sound Mixing, <laughs> David Parker, Michael Semenek, Ren Kleiss, and Bo Pearson. It won Best Film Editing, which is very cool in a year, you know, where it's not nominated for picture or director. And it was a consecutive, because they didn't they win for Social Network? They, they did. In, yes, it's crazy. These guys are incredible. These guys yeah. are freaking incredible editors they just Kings. this movie just moves um the one award it was nominated for that really is cool and it kind of goes to show and it's a good way to kind of fitting conclusion this episode he was nominated for the dga best director award for this Ooh. it was the biggest award he was nominated for for his directing but it goes to show like the directors mm -hmm. are like yeah, this movie may be kind of seedy and surfacy and confusing mm -hmm. and overlong. <laughs> but this man directed the shit out of it. <laughs> he's that good yeah. at directing and he's overwhelmingly good. If you're on his wavelength and that's what he gets out of this movie. Mm -hmm. In service of a story that might not the efforts might not be worth every other person Fincher the cast the team give a plus work. Oh, for sure. And it makes it infinitely watchable despite all the gruesome scenes. I texted Patrick. I said it has the greatest insert shots in movie history. <laughs> the other day, like it's so well edited. It's so well paced. Even in the, sl I don't think it slows down despite all the investigation mumbo jumbo. I think yeah, it, it moves at such a steady clip. And then like, I love the, um, like even like yeah, the sound design like you know, shout outs to Ren because like yeah. I love how the, the the choice to like have Harriet's voice, uh, recite those like passages from the Bible yeah. and then have it be like done like in a weird like like it's like being done through like a phonograph or something adds it's unnerving. I love it. Yeah, it's just all the elements, everything we love about David Fincher's work, at the highest level, and it's just a shame it wasn't for something a little more worthwhile but at the same time he does this on every single movie he makes he never half-asses anything and that's really why we love him yeah. <laughs> like in his work and his movies are so rewatchable because mm -hmm. of that you because he was talking with someone the other day and the key to a good movie i think mm -hmm. is to feel like you are in good hands right. with the director like they yeah. got you that well, they're making choices, that they care, and because of that, it's just trickled down to every other thing within it. And the second you turn on this movie and see that opening shot of the flower into the opening credit sequence, I'm like, I'm in good hands. Yeah. Whatever happens, I might not love the story. I might think that the entire I, – I, I'm disappointed. I don't care about the rest of the movie until the jacket. Um. After Stellan Skarsgård dies, I don't really like that's the emotional peak and then they have a half hour to go and that's always rough. 
when that happens in a movie. Yeah, he's a well, and it's like you know the thing is, it's like Fincher's a curator. And we've talked about this on the pod. He's like the ultimate curator of talent, and like yeah. the people he brings to his like productions are like un because like he 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 demands a lot, uh, but the people that stick around are the ones that stick with it, and like. They have stepped up to the plate, and they have his infinite respect. Exactly. And trust, even yeah. more so. And, and it creates great art, <laughs> you know, even if the script too, isn't there. He's one of the few directors, too, where when – I mean, at this point, when I see his credit sequence, you're fist pumping. Yeah. When all the all the, all the, all the, <laughs> the department heads are like, yeah, Eric Messerschmidt, yeah. <laughs> Croden with, Croden with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they're back. <laughs> Donald oh, Graham Burt. Donald Graham Burt. <laughs> uh, so cool. No, so few directors like incite that level of like you know, like the fact that like you know venture heads like they know all the deep cut people involved. Who else? Is, very, like, I guess like, very few directors. Probably Christopher Nolan, probably. Yeah, and maybe Steven like Spielberg. I guess Spielberg. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah, like you know, Marty, you know, I mean, but it's the biggest. It's the ones though yeah. that matter the most. It's true. And Tarantino, yeah, Sally, yeah. you know, Menka and whatnot. Robbie uh, Richardson, yeah. Yeah, Robbie Rich. <laughs> yeah. So, bottom line, this movie is imperfect. Yeah. Based almost strictly because its source material is seemingly mm-hmm. imperfect. But at the same time, it has infinite riches, especially if you're like a, like, love the minutia of movie making. Mm. Like, almost beyond. But it's also like a taut thriller at times, too. So, you know, yeah. it's all of that. Great performance is all that. So check it out. If you haven't seen it, you've been ultimately just truly spoiled in this last two mm-hmm. hours. Regardless, watch it again. It's great. It's on Paramount+. Plus. If you're like Don, Patrick, you have downplayed how great the Swedish versions. This book rules you both for being so in the bag for David Fincher, you're willing to downplay every other person's contributions <laughs> to this like wide-ranging global phenomenon, and you only care about one guy's version of this. <laughs> <laughs> email us at the Academy Academy Podcast gmail.com or check in with us t- on X at the Academy. Next week on the show, uh p- programming note, uh due to uh outstanding um uh, the word that comes to mind is priorities, but you all, yeah. <laughs> you listeners, you are priorities to us. Don't get us wrong on Don't this. Get wrong. Uh, outstanding yeah. jobs, outstanding life things. Yeah. Uh, we will have an episode next week, but it will be released a little bit later in the week. It will not. You will not be able to grab your coffee on Tuesday morning and check in with us no. to talk about Infinite and the Guilty, two Antoine Fuqua pictures that. <laughs> We all remember well. Yeah. Oh, we remember when, <laughs> where were you when Guilty Fever swept the nation? Yeah. <laughs> I was driving my car. Talk about the exact opposite of the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Infinite 2021 is currently available to rent through all the services. The Guilty, mm-hmm. also 2021. Interestingly enough, two 2021 jams in the heart of when we were all locked under lockdown, these movies oh emerged. Yeah. Um, Guilty is on the Netflix channel. Um, we'll get into those. Maybe we'll have something to say. Yeah. Who's to say? 
Who's Possibly. to say maybe we won't? Maybe it'll maybe be the first uh, silent episode. Yeah, uh, Sugar, it's a it's just a picture of Patrick and I shrugging our shoulders, and <laughs> like, eh. uh, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> um, week after that, yeah. we return to the world of David Fincher, and we cover the long-awaited to the show. We cover Gone Girl. Yeah, very very soon. Um, this one is available to rent on all the services. Also, as with David Fincher, very nice Blu-ray edition available. Uh, Blu-ray is available for Infinite as well. Obviously, because it's Netflix, the guilty has been lost to the algorithm. There's no physical media whatsoever. So oh, yeah. if you want to follow along with us, you you you, you got to watch it on Netflix. Yeah, you got to enter cyberspace. All right. So on that note, whew, I'm tired. Yeah. We will see you next week on the Academy Academy. Have a good one. And, uh, you know, if there's a... Uh, a, a, a a guy with like a turtleneck, uh, drinking wine, who kind of looks like Stellan Stars. Don't go into that house. Don't. Who's a little too smooth, little too much. Yeah, just don't yeah. trust him. Don't trust him. Don't trust him. All right, him. we'll talk to y'all later. Peace.